This is podcast number 17 in a series where we are working to understand the mind of Paul in his letter to the Galatians. I left you in the last podcast with Paul's tantalizing term, sons of God. Now we will see that the pattern of repetition in the chiasm suddenly stops. The new rhythm murmurs like a gentle stream in a peaceful forest. The ancient ear would have heard the change, which pauses dramatically in some places and flows freely in others. We are in Galatians chapter 3, verse 25. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For all of you are sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. You know, I always let a final silent moment of awe linger after I read the beautiful rhythm of this passage. And I'm sure that's what happened in the midst of the public reading to the Christian community in Galatia. I mean, this is just so powerful. It just makes you stop and with this incredible sense of power. There's a joyous sense of freedom. The Jewish Christians are no longer in custody under the law, which has been their tutor of instruction. Now, as believers in Christ, they can live in the faith of Yeshua the Messiah by letting the Spirit lead them to walk in the paths of righteousness that we only hear about in the law. So, the resulting love in their hearts pours out to God for His magnificent grace through Christ. At this point, I want to stop and consider certain key concepts. Number one, you are all sons of God. Number two, you were baptized into Christ. Now, this is a rich and powerful metaphor that signifies holiness. Number three, you are all one in Christ, both Jew and Gentile. Number four, you are Abraham's offspring, and therefore, you are heirs of God's promise, both the promise of his covenant relationship to Gentiles and also his promise of the Spirit. Paul's concluding verses in Galatians 3, 25 to 29 will lead to much discussion in a study group, but now I want to focus on sons of God. Traditionally, the children of Israel understood from the Hebrew scriptures that their relationship to God, who was the creator and the redeemer, was like that of a father to his son. It was a relationship, father to son. God called Israel his firstborn son when he rescued his people from death and bondage in Egypt. Then we hear Moses asking a rhetorical question whose implied answer thunders by its silence. Oh, foolish and unwise people, is he not your father who has bought you? That's in Deuteronomy 32, 6. 
And when Christ recites the Lord's Prayer, he captures this sense of a father-son relationship. Our Father who art in heaven. However, in addition to a parental-child relationship, Scripture also conveys the responsibility of the Father to create new life. Moses conveys this new life as a birth process. This new life occurred when God rescued his people from Egypt and brought them into the promised land as a new people of Israel. Scripture also associates creation of new life with the Messiah. You are my son, today I have begotten you. Now, these are prophetic words of the coming Messiah, God's promise of a coming Messiah. The father-child relationship and the expectation of something new through God's Messiah was apparently the extent of traditional understanding before the coming of Yeshua the Messiah. Scripture hints at more creative activity by God, which the Christian movement appropriated from the Holy Scriptures after the death and resurrection of Yeshua. These scriptural prophecies from the Old Testament describe the specific work of God through a Messiah. God the Father has promised a future redemption to his people. Redemption means rescue. Okay, and this would be rescue from sin, which prevents them from coming into God's presence in righteousness. So this future redemption to his children, which will not only bring a Messiah, but will also create new life just as the exodus from Egypt created a new people of Israel. Many of these passages are in the book of Isaiah. And I'm going to read some of these uh, passages from Isaiah. They're really pretty powerful. In Isaiah 63, 16, You are our father, though Abraham does not know us, and Israel does not recognize us. You, O Lord, are our father, our redeemer from of old is your name. So God, who is this father, in a father relationship, is going to redeem his people. He's going to rescue them and redeem them. In this passage from Isaiah, there is a startling shift in pronouns from me, speaking of the intimate relationship of Isaiah with God, to us. In the context of the passage, us refers not to all of God's people, but to servants, those out of Israel who obey and serve the Lord God. Now, listen again to Isaiah in chapter 59, 20. A redeemer will come to Zion and to those who turn from transgression in Jacob, declares the Lord. And again, we get those who turn from transgression is not everybody. The subtlety in Isaiah is provocative. Note those whom the Redeemer will rescue, that is, those who turn from transgression, which describes servants who humbly submit to God. Consider the purpose for this deliverance in the next passage in Isaiah. We see the creation of new life that is not only prophetic of some future redemption, but it's also an ongoing process that we can see and experience in our lives today. In Isaiah 64, 8, But now, O Lord, you are our Father, we are the clay, and you are potter, and all of us are the work of your hand. Thus, when Paul declares that all of you are sons of God, 
the reaction would have been dynamic. The Galatians would not have been surprised if Paul had said, well, Jesus is the Son of God, because they were expecting a Messiah from God the Father. But Paul declares that all of you are sons of God. What a startling new revelation. How else could Christian believers become sons of God unless God had birthed them as new life, that is, as new creations? How does birth occur if not by seed? Seed of whom? Seed of God through faith in Christ, which births new life. In Galatians 3.26, we read, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Does that mean that Christian believers are no longer Abraham's descendants? Certainly not. If you belong to Christ, Paul continues, then you are Abraham's offspring, which is seed, heirs according to promise. The Galatian believers are both sons of God, which signifies new life through the Spirit, and descendants of Abraham, which places Gentile believers in a covenant relationship with God. The nature of their inheritance, which we will soon discuss, is tied to both of these promises. Paul continues to build this concept of new life in sons of God through the final powerful crescendo in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7. When the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman born under the law, in order that he might redeem or rescue those who were under the law, in order that we might receive sonship. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, You are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then God has also made you an heir. Rather than discuss this passage, I will let Paul's words simply linger in your mind. However, we note that Paul is continuing to suggest the concept of inheritance, first through seed and then through son. Paul will now turn to unfold again through artistic, figurative, and allegorical methods the nature of God's promised inheritance to his people. Unfortunately, much of the rich and deep scope of this inheritance has tended to elude the Christian community. Our inability to move beyond the literal words to deeper meaning, which ancient methods accomplish, has led only to a tantalizing whisper of what Paul is trying to convey. In the next podcast, we will turn to Paul's provocative announcement that will lead us to the heart of the promised inheritance. Paul says, I am speaking these things allegorically. So, I will meet you again in the next podcast, and we are going to learn about the inheritance which is much more than just eternal life. With that, I wish you shalom.